This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's your inside pass to everything Saints football. And the kick is good. We'll take you to places most fans never go. We'll watch from 60. To practice, to the sideline, to the locker room. Following every twist, turn, and touchdown of the 2022 season. That is going to be a touchdown. Taysom Hill. Taysom TD. Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. And that is going to be a touchdown again. And guess who? Mike Thomas. Now, here are your hosts, Steve Geller and Jeff Nowak. Oh, baby. Is it over yet? Oh, no, 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 no. Not the game. The season. The 2022 Saints season. Is it over yet? Because it sure feels that way. Welcome in to Inside Black and Gold. My name is Jeff Nowak, WWL digital sports producer, and we are going to talk about that train wreck that we all just unfortunately lived through out in Pittsburgh. And man, that was rough. I'm going to go off on a rant here. So enjoy that um, as much as you can. The second half of the show is going to be a live mailbag. So we're collecting questions throughout the first half, and we're going to dive into them in that second half. But yeah, I mean, just to recap that game, just imagine a train on the tracks, just kind of tooting along, not very fast because it's not doing that well to begin with. You know, it's it's missing some key components, but you know, you can still get on it. You can still ride it around. Still got an engineer in the front, and then about you know halfway down the tracks, it just just flat out just falls on its side and just bursts into flame. And that is a pretty accurate description for what happened to the Saints in Pittsburgh today. You know, it was a cold weather game. Maybe that played a role in the fact that the Saints team never seemed to get off the bus. But, you know, I I think it's really just more of the same of what we have seen from the Saints team all season, right? I wish I could say I was surprised by the beatdown that was put on the Saints today, and I can't say that I am. Um, The Steelers won 20-10, to and I've had a few people say, well, it wasn't on the defense. Anytime a defense only allows 20 points, the offense should be able to get it done. And while you're not patently wrong, I'm not giving the defense a pass in that game. I mean, it should have been 26 points, right? The Steelers kicker could not make a field goal. That doesn't mean the Saints played better. It just means that the Steelers kept them alive in the game and the Saints were still unable to take advantage of that. I'm not giving the defense credit for that. (laughs) They didn't do anything to make him miss those field goals. They just missed. Now, where this defense really let me down in this game, specifically, Blake Gillikin goes out there and lays a 58-yard net punt. You were still tied 10 to 10 at this point. And 
Not only do you not force a three and out, do you not get a safety? Do you not get a turnover? Do you not make any impact play whatsoever? You allow them to drive all the way downfield for points. Yes, this is on the defense. This is also on the offense. This is on everybody. But you knew you were going into that game without half of your offensive line. By the end of the game, you were missing three-fifths of your starting offensive line when James Hurst went down and you replaced him with Landon Young. So you knew that you were going to have a difficult time on offense. You did. And you needed the defense to take control of this game, to harass Kenny Pickett, to force him to make mistakes. And while you do have to give them credit, they did get six sacks, one of, you know, five plus one gift for Cam Jordan at the end of the first half. They didn't play well. I mean, they should have had 10 sacks in this game. Seriously. Like, Kenny Pickett ran them ragged the same way Lamar Jackson ran them ragged. And when it's Lamar Jackson, you can get on board with it. When it's Kenny Pickett, you just can't. You can't let that happen. And, you know, you you needed the defense to step up, and they did not do it. There was 10 penalties. There were six penalties that allowed a first down, right? You cannot give the defense a pass in this game. You can't give Andy Dalton a pass in this game. You can't give the play calling a pass in this game. I mean, you can probably give the offensive line a pass in this game because none of them were there. If we want to, you know, rake Calvin Throckmorton and Lewis Kidd and Landon Young over the coals, go for it. I'm not going to do it because they're the backups. They're not supposed to be in there. It, it is what it is. It's just, it's a question of what do you do at this point, right? Like we're going to continue to hear throughout the week from these players, from the team. Okay, you know, we're still alive. We're only a game and a half out or two games out, whatever. Five and five is the best record in the NFC South. That's the Bucks. You know, the the Falcons are four and six. The Panthers are three and six, three and seven, maybe. You know, and 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 the Saints are three and seven. And so, yeah, sure. You know, mathematically, you're still alive. Mentally, you are dead in the water. Like you cannot look at this team and say, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. There, I can see how they turn it around. Like, yeah, mathematically you're still in it, but if you can't beat the Steelers, if you can't beat this Steelers team, a team that has not scored a touchdown of more than eight yards this year, and you just got just manhandled by them. They ran for over 200 yards with Jalen Warren and Kenny Pickett and Najee Harris, who hasn't been able to run on anybody. They just beat you up. And I just, mm, I hate it. I hate it so much. <laughs> Here's what DA had to say on the kind of situation the Saints are in uh, after the game. Well, look, I mean, when you get in situations like, the, like these, you know, you, you have to fight your way out of it. There's no other way to get out of it other than fight your way out of it. And, uh, you know, this is where you got to lean on the, the leadership of the group. And uh, they got to pull us through. I mean, I agree with that. But I don't know if there is fighting your way out of it. I don't, I don't know if, if there is a solution other than burn it down. <laughs> You know, this roster has been teetering on the precipice of just being too old, not having enough playmakers at key positions, not having enough depth for a while now. Part of that has been, you know, leveraging draft assets and and not being able to bring in quality pieces in the mid to late rounds, right? Like, you know, Jalen Warren was a seventh round pick. You know why the Saints don't have players coming in where they're like, oh, man, that was a steal in the late rounds. You know, think of Marcus Colston, Ryan, or sorry, Jack Streif, right? These guys who were late round picks and suddenly are like, wow, how did, where did they come from? You're not, you haven't been making those picks the last three, four years because you have traded virtually all of your sixth, seventh round draft picks. So you, you don't even have options at these skill positions to say, oh yeah, let's, let's give that guy a try. 
you know, he's not getting it done. Let's let's see what this guy has to offer. You don't have any of that. You you have you have what you have. Um, but all that being said, I do think it's there's, it's going to be easy to blame Andy Dalton for this game. I don't think he played that badly in the sense that my expectations for Andy Dalton aren't that high. I could have told you going into this game that Andy Dalton's ceiling is is below having to make up for missing three of his offensive linemen. So in that sense, I you got I got exactly what I expected out of Andy Dalton. I thought he threw the ball reasonably well. I don't understand the decision to throw it up to Kevin White, but my bigger gripe is why was Kevin White on the field at all in that circumstance? Where was Marquez Callaway? Where was the guy who you actually trust to go up and high point a ball? I don't know. Where was Chris Olave at that point of the game? Why is he not the guy you're targeting downfield? Why is it Kevin White? So I put that on the coaching. I put that on the play calling. Sure, you put it on Andy Dalton, but that's his read and he's open and you put the ball up. Kevin White should have came down with that ball, but he's Kevin White. So all of a sudden the, the decision is questionable because of who you're throwing it to. That doesn't mean you shouldn't have thrown the ball. It just means the players on the field have to be better and the players on the field have to perform better. I thought it was a decent pass. I mean, you could say it was underthrown. He gave him a chance, whatever. The defender made a good play on the ball. Kevin White didn't make a good play on the ball. The other interception got tipped out of Jarvis's hands. You know, either way, like these weren't bad throws. He was sacked twice. He extended a few plays. Those were my expectations for Andy Dalton. Just going to say it. But going into this season, my reason for not starting Andy Dalton, for not wanting to see Andy Dalton was because of exactly that. His ceiling is low. Like, you know what you're going to get, but he's not going to make up for issues up and down the roster. He needs things to work around him to be successful. And that just hasn't been the case, right? And so you're looking at this and you're saying, okay, why would you continue to go with Andy Dalton? And 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 you have fewer and fewer kind of legs to stand on as, as you go through. This is what DA said about the situation uh, at the quarterback position after the game, which... But what it boils down to nothing. Uh, you know, I'm not going to get into that right now. You know, um, we just, you know, came off the game. We'll have plenty of time to evaluate where we're at in a lot of areas. Yeah. Now, while he didn't say anything there, this is kind of how DA operates is he will either give you an affirmative response or he will give you no response. And the no response is along the lines of being a a no. That doesn't make sense. But you get what I'm saying. Like, if he was going to stick with Andy Dalton at quarterback, he would have told you that. And by not answering the question and, ex- and, and, and accepting the mystery, he is effectively saying, yes, we're going to reevaluate the quarterback position. At least that's my read on the situation. And I don't see how you could do anything else, mainly because nothing has worked. Nothing about this season to this point has worked. You know, so 17 of 24, 174 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. The Saints went three for 12 on third down. They went 0 for 1 on fourth down. They only had a third and five or shorter twice in this game. There was only two times, two of those 12 third downs were were of less than five yards. One of them was late in the game. They didn't even convert it because it was a third and one. And they slammed Alvin Kamara into the line. That didn't work. They slammed Andy Dalton into the line. That didn't work. And you turned it over. The Saints actually got the ball back in the same situation because Matthew Wright missed, a, missed another field goal badly. And so you had a chance and you went downfield, but you just don't have 
the dynamic playmaking at the quarterback position with Andy Dalton in there. And I just don't see any way you get around saying Jameis Winston should be the starter of this football team. Now, the question becomes, how healthy is Jameis Winston? Because despite what DA said, there is no way he is 100% healthy. That was a misleading way to describe the situation regarding Jameis Winston's health. At best, it was misleading because he, he's not Wolverine. He can't be healthy. From ruptured a tendon in his foot, it is a long recovery process. And him playing at any point the last few weeks would have been at something sub 100%. Now, the correct way for him to approach starting Andy Dalton would say, Jameis Winston is healthy enough to play, but we are going with Andy Dalton. Now the question is, is Jameis healthy enough to start? And not only start, start behind an offensive line that is not going to protect him. That's the question. I don't want to put Jameis Winston in a situation where he's going to get destroyed and he is still dealing with injuries. Will he make them worse by getting blown up behind the line of scrimmage? I don't know. Like, do you, if you're a Jameis Winston fan, I'm not sure you want to put him in that situation. Even if you want to see him start, I don't know if that's the situation you want to put Jameis Winston in. Even the most diehard Saints fan might question that, but... I don't see how you go one more week without evaluating every single position on this team. That includes the coaching staff. Every single position on this team needs to be evaluated and you have to decide where you're going and what's worth salvaging. Because if you went into this season saying, okay, we can salvage what we have and turn this into a competitive roster with continuity by keeping the coaching staff, by maintaining these weapons and finding a quarterback who can get the job done and keeping DA as head coach and keeping Pete Carmichael as offensive coordinator and keeping Ryan Nielsen and Chris Richard and all these assistants and all of this. And your idea was, yeah, we can be a, we can be a playoff team. Well, that experiment has gone down in flames. And so you're reevaluating everything right now. And if you're going to tear everything down, I don't see how DA is your coach beyond this season. That said, you watch this game, and if you are a prospective head coach watching this game, if you are on the on the short list of someone the Saints might be calling, you want to you want to come coach this team right now? You you, you want to walk into that locker room and and say, oh, we don't have a first round pick. Oh, we don't have a we don't have a quarterback. Well, every everyone's hurt. Every year, you know, the entire team goes down hurt. We have seventeen people on IR. There's no young players. Oh, maybe like three or four. Oh, great. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm gonna pass. <laughs> anyone with options would not accept that job. You have to try to salvage things and put it in a position where it would even be worth coming in to coach this team because no one wants to show up. You know, uh, keep in mind, firing DA midseason, that sends a very difficult message out to the rest of the league. You know, you don't want to be the team that fires a head coach in his first year. It's difficult to even say second year. Like you have to really go down in flames to be fired in your second year as a head coach. Unfortunately, we're looking at a guy who was 11 and 35 as a head coach. So that's tough. But I don't think that you gain anything by firing Dennis Allen into the sun, as, as I've seen on Twitter. I don't think you gain anything from that. You have to fix the issues and see what you can salvage this season. But you have to make changes, right? You can't, you can't just say, oh, yeah, 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 we're going to figure this out. Run it back, run it back, run it back. No, you have to make changes at key positions. You have to figure out what works and what doesn't. The situation you want to be in is, okay, we have young players. We're going to put them in. We're going to see if we can develop them. We're going to see what they have. You don't have any of those. So I don't, I don't know where you go from there. But man, you look at the numbers from this game. They're bleak. Alvin Kamara, eight rushes for 26 yards, three catches for 19 yards. Taysom Hill, three carries for one yard. 
Oh. And, and that's the thing is Kenny Pickett didn't even play that well. 18 to 30 for 199 yards. And you just could not, you could not do anything with it. You know, the defense just didn't have heart late in the game. The second week, you could say that they weren't able to get the ball back for the offense. You get a punt delivered on the two yard line and you're unable to even force, force a punt on that drive. It's just ugly. And I, and I don't know, like, again, we can, we can keep talking about it. We're going to keep hearing about how the saints are still in the NFC South race. And technically that's true. Um, but again, if you can't beat the Steelers, if you can't beat this team this year, I take that back. If you can't even be competitive <laughs> with the Steelers, right? A team that went to this game two and six and has the one of the worst offenses in the NFL, then what what, what are we doing here? You know, like, why are we pretending that this is going to get better? Because it's not. Like, it, unless you make significant changes. And, and, you know, I'm usually the optimist here. Like, I don't like coming on in all black like it's a funeral and, and, and saying, like, this season's over. But, man, guys, this season's over. Let's be real. Like, the best you can hope for is to start playing competitive football down the stretch so that you go into the offseason with some with some positive feelings and some idea of the structure of this team going forward. You know, I, I don't know if that's going to happen. I know it's not going to happen if you keep running it back with, with, the same, with the same structure you've had. Maybe, maybe, maybe you turn to someone else at quarterback and – Suddenly, there's there's this there's this kind of culture shift, paradigm shift, and you're able to win a couple games in a row and get on a streak. But I think in order in order to do that, you would have had to you would have had to find a way in in, in Pittsburgh. And I don't know. It's just it's just something that you you gotta do and you gotta figure it out. And I just don't I just don't know if, if this if this if this coaching staff and this this front office is gonna be able to do it. Um, but yeah, other than that, things have been great. Things have been great. Again, you're listening to Inside Black and Gold. My name is Jeff Nowak. I hope you feel great after that long rant. Make sure to subscribe for more of that quality content. And (laughs) I'll be coming back with a mailbag to answer a lot of the questions that I'm sure have been very kind and positive toward the coaching staff and the players. Um, And we're going to get into a lot of that. Make sure to stick around. I will be right back on Inside Black and Gold.